Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to Viewpoints for the second time, um, A.W. Hammond. We'll be referring to him as Alex in the interview. The author of The Berlin Traitor. Berlin has fallen. The war in Europe is over. His fight has just begun. Published by Echo on the 24th of July in trade paperback. Price at $32.99, $12.99. The book, and it's the second in the uh, Auguste Sheen series. Uh, the first one was a great read. It was a ripper of a read, The Paris collaborator. Um, but now welcome again to Viewpoints, uh, Alex Hammond. Oh, thank you for having me, Henry, and great to be here. Um, I, I was speaking with you off air and I was, uh, as a person whose family came from uh, war-torn Europe after the Second World War, migrated to Australia, the Berlin trader, as a segue to the Paris collaborator rings true for myself personally. Have you had that sort of feedback from other people yet? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, people certainly. Um, there's been a number of people have come contacted me around the book and and, and both books and 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 have expressed, uh, you know, uh, how it has a resonance for them, which is always very gratifying because that's that's sort of the goal. I'm trying to write um, not a a fantastical version of history, not a not not sort of the old old-fashioned sort of you know post-war propaganda version of history, but rather um, something that sort of is a bit more grounded and, and speaks to the civilian experience during the war. So, um, yeah, there's been some great feedback from people on it, absolutely. Mm, and as a person, I told you before, as a person whose parents came from uh, from Europe uh, after World War II, uh, I, I can certainly uh, endorse those comments. It resonates very closely with uh, the history that my parents um, shared with me of their lives and on my visits to there. Now, I just want to read something out to you. It's by Michelle Wright, author of Small Acts of Defiance, talking about your latest book. Quote, Hammond's novel is meticulously researched and its characters and historical contexts are impeccably brought to life. It's an intelligent exploration of alliances, both personal and political, and the forces exerted on them. The vivid depictions of both 1936 Paris and Berlin in the immediate aftermath of World War II are highly evocative and make for a totally engrossing read. I won't ask you how you feel when you read that. I can imagine. How much work went into this novel in terms of research? Well, I mean, first off, um, Michelle was incredibly flattering and... and, and um, I really appreciated um, her response to the book, given that she too writes in a in a historical setting around the war. So, small acts of defiance were set at the uh, during the French occupation. Uh, sorry, the German occupation of Paris. So, um, and she went over there and actually researched. So, having another author who does their research come back and say, like, appreciate the research you put into it is 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 incredibly gratifying. And, um, and yeah, it, it was a, a, a lot of research went into it. Um, I mean, I, I didn't travel over there. I didn't have the, the I'm not, not as fortunate as Michelle in getting a, a grant to go and spend time, but um, uh, I, I read a number of sort of um, uh, original uh, sort of uh, letters and, and, and uh, you know, primary sources from the time, which I find are very helpful, particularly one book in particular called A Woman in Berlin, um, which was anonymously written, but then later revealed to be written by Marta Heller, who was a journalist mm. and, 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 and had experienced the war when the Soviet, at the end of the war, um, obviously the Lipsic war was a civilian in Berlin, and then when the Soviets arrived, um, and she, and, and her um, diaries were then published, and, and uh, sort of controversial because of the way that she 
survives um, through that period. And, and I don't think Germany was quite ready for that story, but then in later mm. years um, has been recognised. And, and people often put this book up, and it's not as well known, but put it up alongside the diaries of Anne Frank as a, as a, as a civilian account of war and what it takes to sort of survive in her case. Um, yeah, so I used primary sort of sources like that. Um, and yeah, and then had some other excellent books. I mean, obviously, um, you know, the, Anthony Beaver writes a lot around that period, so I, mm. I dipped into some of his stuff. Um, but I also extended a bit beyond because I'm sort of, you know, when writing history, you're also laying the groundwork for what later came. Um, so you're sort of looking mm. backwards and forwards. Um, so I, I, I also did a bit of reading about sort of the latter years in, in, in German, the German experience and, and, and the Allied experience in Germany after that. Um, yeah, but like I said, I'm mostly trying to ground it in what what the civilian experience is like. You know, my books are not about um, you know uh, heroic uh, you know acts of soldiers and and, and no. they're more they're more grounded than that. What I'm trying to do, but still make them exciting. And I think when you tell a story about somebody who's who's a human, a civilian, you know, trying to su- survive a difficult situation, it makes it all that more real and and, and thrilling. Mm, absolutely. Now, um, one of the interesting things about having books in, in a series is that uh, some of the people who will catch up with this book may not have read The Paris Collaborator, which is, if you like the story before the story, and often a lot of uh, franchise films then have a prequel. <laughs> in a sense, The Paris Collaborator is a pre-written prequel. For those people who haven't written, haven't read The Paris Collaborator, you might give us a little synopsis of what came before this uh, and uh, people can get a bit more background to where um, Auguste uh, Duchesne has come from. Sure. Well, I mean, The Paris Collaborator is set during the German occupation of Paris and, and um, you know, the, the great thing is Echo's actually re-released it um, to coincide with the Berlin Trader, a, mm. a sort of mass market paperback, smaller size, which is it's exciting to me as a writer to have because I really love those tiny paperbacks. Yes. Um, but yeah, August Duchenne is a, he's a former school teacher um, and he survives throughout the war in, in Paris by finding missing children. Um, but then he gets approached by the French resistance to find a, um, a missing uh, a priest. And, and at the same time, he gets um, sort of forced by the Germans into um, searching for a missing soldier. So, you know, in that in that tro- classic trope the, of a detective novel where they're working on two cases at the same time, but I, this one I twist into like we're working for opposing sides, mm. and if either side were to find out, then uh, then August is uh, in, in big trouble there. So, um, yeah. But what what I have done, I would say too, though, for those who haven't read the uh, Paris Collaborator, is the Berlin Trader. I've tried to make it as standalone as possible by telling the story across two timelines. So we actually sort of see 1936 in Paris. Um, prior to the war and mm. tell the story there about, you know, he, he, August Duchenne and sort of establish some of the characters there and then also tell another timeline around um, around the, just after the war and primarily in Berlin in 1945. So, you, you, you know, I try, I try to be very generous towards a new reader so that they, they don't pick this thing up and start <laughs> scratching their heads, you know. No, um, they don't. They, they, they... Yeah, you're quite, you're quite right in that. Now you were you were born in South Africa. You migrated to Australia. Um, you haven't travelled <clears throat> to Germany or France uh, much at all. Um, where did the interest for this sort of a uh, series of books come from? Yeah, so much like you, I have a sort of family shared connection with with the war, as many people many people do. Um, and my grandfather on my father's side, in fact, both my grandparents and, and one of my grandmothers served in the um, in, in the war um, and he fought uh, in North Africa and Italy um, with the 
obviously was a Commonwealth soldier in South Africa. Mm. Um, but he wrote, uh, he was a journalist. And so he was writing letters back um, about his experience uh, of the war, but they were more grounded and sort of telling the story of what, what it was like to be a soldier. And, and they didn't really have it, you know, embedded journalists back then, but he sort of performed that role into the Natal Mercury. So he was sending back mm. these correspondences and then they were being published in the in, in the newspaper there. And um, yeah, and, and it was a very grounded, you know, uh, he tells a story about having to go on night patrol and, it, and it's incredibly tense because they don't know if they're gonna turn the corner and encounter, mm. you know, some Germans or Italians, but of course, they don't, but that doesn't change the fact that the, every moment that they're out there, they're, they're concerned for their safety. Um, and it's a very compelling article. And, and, and that sort of got me thinking around these ideas of, of the war and, and that experience of sort of the human experience. Um, and then as I was doing my research, I really sort of wanted to tell these more balanced stories, which is certainly not to say that, you know, um, you, you know, that, that they obviously clearly were aggressors uh, in the war, but just, you know, in the civilian experience, how do you explain that? You know, if you're living in an occupied Paris and you are uh, a baker baking for your livelihood and you sell to the, the occupying Germans, does that make you collaborators? So that's the that's the question in the, the Paris collaborator and then the Berlin mm -hmm. trader, you know, exploring that idea around, well, if we're born into a country and, you know, you're expected to support that country, but what if you don't agree with, you know, the sort of I, what you're being asked to do, does that immediately make you a traitor, you know, or who are you betraying, you know, is it, is it somebody that you're are close to, you're, you're, you know, somebody that you care about, is, is, would you put their, their safety above that, that, you know, that of the country or, and so I sort of like to explore those ideas and in, in it, but yeah, it's all, it's all coming from a sort of um, family experience in the, in, in the war and then, and then followed up by research. Mm. No, and it reminded me very much of um, my father's experience as a as a Polish uh, a resistance fighter in World War Two, and uh, the moral grey areas that uh, he encountered. When you're researching the lives of people living in in, in, in well, it was occupied Paris during World War Two. A fascinating podcast interview you did with Cheryl Ackley <clears throat> on these moral grey areas. How did you, when you're writing historical fiction, because you got a lot of life there, Alex, if you wish to exercise it, in how you treat those. You've just touched on it then. You might like to take that a little further. Oh, well, I, I try to... Uh, one of the things I do is I, I don't put a lot of act, actual, you know, people, uh, you know, historical figures or or, 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 or name people from correspondence in, into the... I, I write my own characters, which allows me to sort of, you know, ground it, but also not feel like I'm betraying the legacy of somebody else. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed and amazed with somebody like Heather Morris, who's able to write about real people. You know, she, she mm. wrote the um, Tattoos of Us, which most, yep. most famously, um, and, and managed to tell those stories, um, you know, without, without offending too many people. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, um, you know, and, and when writing about moral, moral greys, I think it's just, it's particularly because I'm, I see myself first and foremost as being a crime writer and you sort of want to write in those um, ideas of where you know things are not necessarily cut and dried um, and it adds a, 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 a stronger theme you know whenever i give um, workshops around writing i always say look the theme is important because it gives the reader something to ground their understanding of the book is and explore these ideas and just adds another layer in so the technical stuff aside just think you know fundamentally for readers if if, if things are in a sort of more gray zone um, you know, and you understand the sort of struggle and complexity of, you know, how do you, how do you get through a, an occupation 
and survive mm. and, and what compromises do you make or or, or when a nation is, is is requiring things of you in a sort of you know post-wartime setting to to you know to and then it and then it rubs up against your own um without giving anything away about the berlin trader but mm. rubs up against your own family how do you how do you then navigate through that i just think that those moral questions are, are in some ways and those challenges are much more um compelling and also threatening for the character than just simply having you know um stereotypical cliched nazis shooting at them you know mm-hmm. which is not to say i don't enjoy an indiana jones film like anybody else um, <laughs> <laughs> those are cartoon characters yes. caricatures, you know they're, they're not yeah you're, you're absolutely right. Look, on a personal personal angle, I know that as a young child, when my parents migrated to Australia and we lived in a little rural town in uh, Gippsland, Warrigal, um, I found it very, I felt rather conflicted because on my mother's side, and I was born in Germany, my father came from Poland and uh, most people in those days didn't know much about the Poles, but I'd heard the stories at home and I, I went to school and I had to deal as a young child with, on the one sense, wanting to be proud, but on the other sense, having uh, the, the, the memory of Nazi Germany still ringing in the ears of Australians sort of rammed down yeah. my throat. Now, you've come from South Africa to Australia and they have a, a storied history uh, over the last 30, 40 years. Um, your book does bring out that sort of moral conflict uh, for a very personal level, uh, certainly for me and I'm sure others. Yourself as an immigrant in Australia from South Africa, uh, any, any challenges there? Oh, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's always something I'm a little bit uncomfortable because there's obviously mm. people who immigrate to Australia and, and, and have come up against a lot, a, a lot worse uh, experiences and challenges and, you know, having to overcome cultural difference. I mean, I spoke the language. I'm, I'm you know, Caucasian. You know, immediately mm. I pass as, as sort of, a, of a, as a white Australian. But um, my accent was different, so immediately people were able to tell that I was from somewhere else. And if I had the good sense, I always thought I was from New Zealand. I should have just as a part of the good sense to say, yes, <laughs> I'm from a Kiwi. But I was always correcting them into being a South African, uh, that I was South African. And obviously, yes, South Africa was, you know, still uh, had its, you know, its, its awful, you know, mm. history with apartheid at that point when I, my family immigrated. It was the cause of our immigration. Um, and apartheid, you know, people didn't realize that, of course, it wasn't just, um, and in no way am I taking anything away from the experience of um sort of non-white South Africans. Um, but the, it was a government that had a, you know, a control over the media, a control over what people are allowed to say, what they're allowed to do. It was a, a very restrictive environment to to live in. So I think that was part of why my parents left. Um, and, and yeah, you know, you, you, it's, it's one of those things where um, people don't appreciate the sort of complexities. I, I certainly didn't at that age. Um, but in much the same way, I mean, I don't think people experience, you know, can, can appreciate the complexities of, of, of Germany and what, what it would have been like, you know, for, for people after the war there. Um, you know, it's one of those challenging situations. I mean, not everybody was a card-carrying member of the National Socialist Party, you know. Um, how, how much is like, a, you know, how much influence do we reign over our governments today to be able to sort of mm. say to them, I disagree, or the willingness to sort of go out and then be you know, executed if you disagree, which is <laughs> exactly. what, what would happen in, in, in Nazi Germany. I mean, that's a fascinating thing too, that the, the, at the end of the very end of the war, you know, that the SS spent more time hunting down what they saw as being, um, you know, and these are the final, final weeks and days, what they saw as being people as uh, traitors mm-hmm. who were not, you know, fighting this ridiculous, you know, situation where the Germans were absolutely, you know, about to lose. 
um, and yet they, you know, were being shot for for, for trying to um, surrender or, 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 or escape, you know, being being killed by the on advancing so uh, Soviets. So it's um, you know, it, that's that's the sort of thing. The areas that I like to explore. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an interesting point you make, and I hadn't really made the connection before. I mean, there is a sort of similarity in in that sense of people appreciating the history of the experience of South Africa. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Yes, you, you, your books, uh, and that's the thing that uh, I think is fascinating about the books you write, uh, these books, um, Alex, is that uh, it means different things to different people and it can bring memories out, you know, some of them deeply hidden away. That can also be dangerous for people. Yeah, Absol- yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm. I mean, that's that's why I try to ground it, as, as I was saying before, I take it away from actual historical people and use the sort of broader trapping of the event but not then lodge it in a in, in a specific event so I, I i'm impressed that there are writers who are able to write fiction around the warsaw uprising but i, I would find that that would be a the, the, the people would have lost family and the you know you know and and you know um i i address the holocaust in this book but i don't you know, there's no way to write about the end of the war without addressing the Holocaust. But it's again, I, I don't think I personally could write the story of a, of somebody living through the Holocaust or, or or losing family to the Holocaust. You know, even in a fiction, um, because as you say, it can be it can be quite triggering for people. It, it brings up a lot. You know, so um, yeah. And when you're trying to write, what's a sort of thriller? <laughs> I think that's what's also important, right? So I'm writing in a mode that is meant to be exciting and and thrilling. So. You need enough to make it re- resonate for people. That it, and, and a lot of that I do through setting and location. And but you don't want to, you know. I, I'm also trying to make it exciting, and you don't want to feel like you're exploiting people's or, or their or their ancestors' lived experiences in order to, you know, tell a a, a roller coaster dramatic story. You know, that, that, that's that's yeah. Yep. You know what? I've just summed you up. People, there are black and white people in the world and there are the people who see the grey areas. Uh, your, your books come from the grey areas perspective. Might be a challenge for people who like to see things in black and white. I'm just going to be black and white with you for one second. Listening to you then, Alex, and having read your books, um, you bring authenticity to historical fiction uh, through, the, uh, through the prism of a kind heart. <laughs> There you go. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, That's very kind of you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, time's on the wing. I couldn't help but think at the end of The Berlin Traitor, being um, a child of a person, of parents who, uh, a generation who went through it, there's got to be some some stories following The Berlin Traitor because there's a whole new generation of uh, people who are the the offspring of the people that you've written about in the Berlin Traitor and the Paris Collaborator. Are you already thinking along those lines? And I hope you are, by the way, Alex. You're a good writer. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm thinking. Of, I've got a few more ideas for the, the books down the down the way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, there's, there's there's still we've still got the airlift going on in, in Berlin, which is probably where I yes. set the next one. Um, but then after that, we're fully into the Cold War, you know. So um, there's there's a lot of stories to tell, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I am I am thinking that way. Um, and there is a sort of opportunity for sort of a, a generational story to be told here. So well, well observed, good pickup. <laughs> and 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 you're not a person who suffers from that that dreaded condition that too many writers, uh, sadly, good writers do, writers block. <laughs> not a problem uh, for you, Alex. 
No, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I, I, I don't suffer from writer's block, but I have I have techniques and, and that I do, that I use to, to diligently avoid writer's block. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. And and from a reader's perspective, we're, I'm so thrilled that you have. Time's got away from us, Alex. Uh, firstly, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy person. Um, to, to find the time to share with the the listeners on the Viewpoints podcast and uh, KC Radio Viewpoints, uh, you know, um, some comments, commentary, and uh, thoughts in in relation to the Berlin Traitor, and also congratulations on on a, on an on an excellent book. It uh, it's a worthy addition to my library. Oh, thank you so much, Henry. I really appreciate it. And it was great to chat with everybody today. Thanks. That was Alex, uh, known as A.W. Hammond, uh, author of The Berlin Trader, published by Echo on 24th of July, e- trade paperback $32.99, e-book $12.99. And they've also re- uh, republished The Paris Collaborator in a shortened version size book. That's worth reading too. Um, I suggest you go out there, listeners, and get both of those books.